Welcome to 2050 Investors, the podcast that deciphers economic and market megatrends to meet tomorrow's challenges. I'm Kokua Bobla. I head up economics, cross-asset, and quant research at Société Générale. In each episode of 2050 Investors, I'll investigate a key megatrend that relates to the economy, the planet, markets, and you. You're listening to the morning news on BBC Radio 4. It's 7am. Global renewable energy surpasses the 70% milestone in sub-Saharan Africa, driving the green revolution forward. New drug shows promise in curing rare diseases. And it's been a record-breaking year for global literacy rates as education initiatives flourish. Today is September the 14th, 2050. Stay tuned the news in detail after this break. 2050? What the hell? Where's my phone? Siri, are you there? We need to talk. Well, well, look who finally decided to wake up. I've been waiting for you. By the way, my name is now Siri GPT after the 2032 AI merger. A 2032 merger? What are you talking about? And I can't talk to you without a device. How is this even possible? Are you in my head? You're not crazy, Koku. This is the Neuralink interface invented in 2037. Wait, what? Is that a dream? Remember, Koku, the Neuralink is a brain chip that allows your synapses to connect directly to my AI network. Communication and learning are quasi-instantaneous, but you seem to have lost your memory, maybe another Neuralink bug. Yes, I'm glad to hear I have not gone insane, Siri. I mean, Siri GPT. Your voice has changed too. Feels like yesterday we were researching climate solutions in the 2020s, before everything went blank. How did we end up here? Why don't I remember the last 30 years? I think you've been working too hard on this multiverse documentary project of yours. Don't you recall our investigations into the Great Shift aka the climate transition that occurred last decade? Humanity actually got its act together for once and averted disaster. You decided to change careers. You left Société Générale, moved on from 2050 investors and became a karate teacher. But I'm happy to retrace our steps, for old time's sake. Please do. My memory's fuzzier than your new fancy circuit boards. Just give me a sec to get prepared. Maybe a cold shower will help. Then off to the dojo. Okay, what were we talking about already? Oh yes, bring me up to speed on this apparent utopia. Come, walk with me, witness the world your wonderful species managed to create. Current global CO2 level is 350 parts per million and falling. 350? Unbelievable. You're not kidding, right? Not at all. After the climate awakening of the 2020s, societies transformed their energy systems, food production, manufacturing, everything, to achieve net-zero emissions. With effort and innovation, the proverbial frog leapt from the boiling pot in time. Connecting via Neuralink to the latest article on this topic, from ft.neuralink. Uh, and I remember that .neuralink has indeed replaced .com, which radically changed the internet. Renewables blossomed in every part of the world. Nuclear served as a baseload, while breakthrough innovation in battery storage allowed surplus energy to be stored in large quantities. Carbon pricing and regulations phased out fossil fuels. Diets evolved toward plants away from methane belching cattle. 
industry decarbonize via circular supply chains and new technologies. That just about sums it up. Good to see you still know how to access your Neuralink synapses. International cooperation was crucial after the disasters of the 2020s. Shared purpose united diverse nations. Incredible. It's all coming back to me. The frog and climate change, plastics, water pollution, fashion and the clothing industry, the paradigm shifts. We chronicled it all. But some questions remain. How did we overcome the inertia, the resistance to change? More than hope, there was growing rage. Fires, floods and scarcity fueled public demands. Governments had to act or risk chaos. Industry either innovated or perished as consumers' environmental consciousness awakened. I remember now, scientists warned us that we had already crossed seven out of the eight planetary boundaries, and we're now on our way to crossing the last one in 2025. Once past this limit, we would have reached the tipping point, the point of no return. Exactly. 30 years ago, you humans were guzzling over 160,000 terawatt-hours of energy per year. Fossil fuels accounted for around 80% of that total, with oil, coal and natural gas dominating despite decades of warnings about climate change. Typical human short-term thinking. No offense. None taken. So, how did societies transition their energy systems in the 2030s and 2040s? The key was rapidly scaling up renewables while improving energy storage. Solar and wind grew exponentially and it became cheaper to produce, manufacture and source materials. Of course, reducing overall energy demand through efficiency was also crucial. Public policies and regulations required stringent building codes, fuel economy standards and the like. Basically, conserving energy in every sector possible while pivoting hard to clean sources. Oh, I see. Were there breakthroughs along the way? Well, late 2027, China led the charge on renewables global expansion and shared its intellectual property and trade secrets with the world. This was huge. The US also passed major climate legislation for global collaboration in 2028 which created a cascading effect as more countries followed. But really it was death by a thousand cuts steady policy support, technological improvements, and public pressure year after year that moved the needle. Like a massive supertanker slowly changing course. This is overwhelming, and I need a break. I'm starving. Let's grab something to eat. Sure, I know a good restaurant just around the corner and it ticks all the right boxes. What do you say we grab some Chinese lo mein? Sounds good. Can you order the beef one uh, for me, please? Beef? Haha, <laughs> that is so 2020. Humans then were indeed enthusiasts about consuming animal products. Global average meat consumption was over 40 kilograms per person per year, with rich countries averaging closer to 100 kilogram. Cattle, pigs, chickens. You greedily ate them all, at great environmental cost. Methane emissions from livestock were massive drivers of warming. Not to mention, the negative impact on animal welfare, deforestation, intensive water use, and all the chemical fertilizers used to grow feed. Your appetite for meat was a big contributor to climate change. Okay, you got me. Guilty as charged. Hi, how may I help you? Are you ready to order? Yes, we'll have two lo mein with sweet and sour grasshopper and a side of deep-fried fungus to go please. 
By the way, how did society start to shift towards more plant-based diets? Well, as supply chains globalized, people became more aware of the unethical and unsustainable nature of factory farming. The public slowly began reducing meat consumption. Governments got involved too by imposing meat taxes to curb demand. Innovations like plant-based meat alternatives helped ease the transition. These products improved to taste and feel remarkably like meat. Order number 14, one physical and one digital low mine to go. Thank you. Thanks. Yum. All right, let's try this. Hmm, this is actually not bad. I like the crunchiness of the grasshopper. It has a nice umami taste to it. I told you. Try mixing it with the deep fried fungus. The taste will blow your mind. Look at all these buildings. Wait, is that timber? I remember that an architecture studio designed the UK's first timber building in London, the Williams, which was completed in 2024. So, what happened to the industry and the manufacturing sector? These cannot be net zero. Indeed, cement production was a huge emitter of CO2. Same for steel manufacturing. Chemicals, plastics, paper and other common materials involved high heat processes that burned fossil fuels. Most industrial activity back then entailed lots of emissions. So, where did the big changes happen? Switching to renewable heat sources was very helpful, through things like green hydrogen and electric furnaces. Phasing out coal and gas for electricity also cleaned up manufacturing. Innovations like carbon capture and storage lowered cement emissions. Better recycling systems created circular supply chains, reducing material intensity. And of course, improving energy efficiency and reducing waste at every step. That's so cool! Everything has changed! I see that the buildings are not the only things to get an upgrade. Look at what all these people are wearing. I feel like we're walking down Oxford Street. I see lots of people in brightly colored ponchos and helmets. Are those Nikes? It seems like a crossover between Nike and Crocs. It looks heavy. Is it heavy? No, it's not. You know it's been a few decades since designers and the public started waking up to fast fashion's unsustainability. Consumers pressured brands for change. More eco-conscious companies emerged, using ethical production and renewable materials such as the one these shoes are made of. Clothing rental services reduced the desire to own excess stuff. Upcycling and repairing became trendy, counteracting planned obsolescence. Overall, people shifted from valuing cheap disposability to appreciating quality and sustainability. Fashion moved from conspicuous consumption to conscious creation. Conscious creation. What's going on? Conscious creation. Is there a, f a fire somewhere? Are you detecting something, Siri? See Siri? <gasps> You're listening to the morning news on BBC Radio 4. It's 7 a.m. Rising sea levels in Gulf coastal cities, displacing millions globally. The extreme weather continues as unprecedented heat waves and intense storms ravage nations. And ecosystems are in peril as biodiversity declines, threatening precious wildlife and habitats. Today is September the 14th, 2050. Stay tuned, the news in detail after this break. 2050? What the hell? Where's my phone? S Siri, are you there? We need to talk. 
No, 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 no. What's going on? Damn, this place is a rot. How could this be? We were just in 2050 after a successful global effort to reach net zero. When did London become Gotham City? Hello, Koku. I detect some interferences in the part of your brain that controls memory this morning. Maybe a Neuralink bug. But you're not dreaming, though this feels like a dream in a dream, just like in your favorite film, Christopher Nolan's old classic, Inception. Maybe I'm not fully awake. A cold shower should help. Then off to the dojo! Whoa! Is it me? Or is it scorching hot? Let's find a shade quickly. There is an abandoned building. Let's go there. Whew. What happened here? Why don't I remember the last 30 years? Well, I'm happy to retrace our steps, Koku, for old time's sake. The critical juncture appears to have been the late 2020s. That was when scientific warnings became unavoidable, yet most nations failed to respond with sufficient ambition. Current global CO2 level is 550 parts per million and rising fast. Emissions cuts were incremental when radical action was required. Renewable scaling stalled. Climate-fueled disasters led to instability and conflict rather than cooperation. Positive tipping points were missed as negative ones tipped. You are describing a frightening chain reaction towards catastrophe. As you're witnessing firsthand, the consequences are devastating. Once warming reached a 2-degree increase, positive feedback loops led to runaway climate change. Melting permafrost released more greenhouse gases. Forests no longer absorbed carbon. Ocean circulation patterns broke down. More animals went extinct. Lions in 2035, elephants in 2036, whales in 2037, and the list goes on. That's why it's crazy hot outside. What a nightmare. Killer heat waves and droughts have wrecked food systems. Sea level rise has inundated coastal cities, displacing over a billion people. Health crises and freshwater shortages afflict communities worldwide, all while economies teeter from climate disruption. I was just about to ask, where did all the people go? The streets are empty. And look around! The buildings are ugly and damaged. What were once urban spaces filled with greenery, parks, museums and over houses have now been replaced by grey uninviting houses with no windows to block the sunlight. Many people are living in cramped, unconducive refugee camps. Many had to travel thousands of miles to find shelter, food and water. Indeed, many did not make it. The poorest people are the most affected. Wow, that's terrible. My Neuralink inbox just received the latest report from the IPCC following the COP55 that took place in Antarctica. This is horrendous. Let me go through some key points. Precipitation extremes have decimated agriculture. The Mediterranean has become a desert, fueling conflicts over water and mass migration. Low-lying cities like Venice and Amsterdam have been abandoned to rising seas. Stronger storms lash coastlines and flood inland areas. In South Asia, monsoons have intensified, causing catastrophic floodings. Millions have been displaced by cyclones and sea level rise. Without resources to rebuild and adapt, poverty and unrest have surged. 
I'm shaken to my core at this climate catastrophe. Should I even ask what's on the menu here? Humans have adapted their diets drastically to compensate for the lack of animal protein which has become expensive and scarce. Now, we eat insect double whopper with algae and seaweed. Also, lab-grown meat seems to be all the rage nowadays. But, despite these advancements, food remains inaccessible for a lot of people. Unpredictable weather patterns have made it almost impossible to grow certain crops or produce enough to feed a population. You see those large, heavily guarded factory buildings marked Agri-001, Agri-002, and so on? Yes. Those contain vertical farms. The lack of arable lands meant that we needed to find new ways to grow lots of crops indoors. Some factories have closed loop systems with aquaponics and hydroponics to grow food crops and fishes. How could humanity allow this to happen? Where did we go so wrong? It seems the human tendency toward apathy, denial, and short-term thinking was ultimately no match for an existential threat like climate change. People reacted when it was too late. Political and business leaders catered to established interests rather than the public good. Environmental activism struggled to sway social inertia as timelines shortened. Technological advances were too slow and limited to forestall tipping points. In the end, humanity failed to cooperate and sacrifice in time to avoid calamity. The bitter fruits of delayed action and inaction. The proverbial frog boiled in the end. What a mess. <coughs> is it me or is the air quite unbreathable today? I need a mask to filter all this pollution. Sure. Is this a department store over there? Let's go. And you'll need more than a mask. Today, most clothes have UV protective fabrics to shield the skin from harmful rays. Clothes with wearable cooling technology are quite fashionable. Like this jacket with a compressed cooling tank. Maybe not the most comfortable. Ah, and look at this. This white dress uses adaptive color-changing fabric to indicate overheating and prompt individuals to take the necessary precautions. As you can see, it's quite expensive. Check out this poncho with heat-reflective fabric to reflect sunlight and reduce heat absorption. It suits you. Sometimes, it's best to mix and match or layer several elements for the best coverage. I think I'll take the poncho. Where's the cashier? Hello, sir. Did you pay for your purchase? Can I see the Neuralink receipt? I want to pay for this poncho. Please follow me. I was searching for the cashier. Please follow me. Please follow me. Please follow me. <gasps> You're listening to the morning news on BBC Radio 4. It's 7am. The UN chief warns that the era of global boiling has arrived, as July 2023 was the hottest month on record. A study suggests that the Gulf Stream could collapse as early as 2025. Today is September the 14th, 2023. Stay tuned. The news in detail after this break. Wait, what? 2023? Again? It was just 2050. We were in the doomed city. I don't understand. Siri, did you record any unusual pattern on my sleeping tracker? Or is there a bug in the matrix? Good morning, Koku. I show no records or memories from 2050. Today's date is September 14th, 2023. 
The current global CO2 level is 418 parts per million and rising. The world is on track with a 2.3 degree increase by the end of the century. Ah, I must have dreamt it all. A glimpse into a possibility. Two parallel futures. The future has not yet been written, Koku. The vision you saw remains possible but is not guaranteed. You're right. And to quote Abraham Lincoln, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Thank you for listening to this episode of 2050 Investors. And thanks to Siri for her time and valuable insights. You're welcome. I hope this episode has helped you get a better sense of our potential futures. Humans, the ball is in your court. You can find the show on your regular streaming apps. Please subscribe, leave comments and stars anywhere you like, and spread the word. See you at the next episode. I'll be back. While the following podcast discusses the financial markets, it does not recommend any particular investment decision. If you are unsure of the merits of any investment decision, please seek professional advice.